Have you ever felt like the only person in the room, the only person from a certain neighborhood, the only person from a certain religion, the only person with a disability or sex or race? I know I have, and I know that several of you listening to the Breaking Stars podcast feel the same way, which is why you tune in. If this is your first time listening to the show, if that's what we want to call it, um, you know that part of the reason why we share uh, the Breaking Stars podcast is not just to give you tactical advice and so that you can take action steps to break in and get the skills that you want uh, to thrive in the tech-driven world, but also so that you can resonate with other people that are like you and rest assured that you have people that will hold you down. For all of these reasons, um, that's why we decided to interview Erica Balbuena, who at the time was the head of strategic initiatives for Twilio.org, but now she is currently heading the impact computing program at Amazon Web Services. And on this episode, we we talk about um, all of the things I just shared before, but also uh, mentorship and apprenticeships and sponsorships and what Tech for Good looks like at tech companies. We talked about um, what's revenue generating, what's not revenue generating, um, what's sustainable, what's not sustainable, what's effective, what's not not effective. And she explains um, how these organizations tend to be structured within tech companies. Corporate social responsibility is a hot word. A lot of money gets poured into it. Um, a lot of times it doesn't really turn into anything. Um, so we want to align with people that are actually doing the work. So, um, yeah, that's why we interviewed Erica. If this is your first time tuning in, um, please like the page on Facebook. It's Breaking Into Startups or join the community at Breaking Into Startups community. And if you like this episode, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, um, feel free to send me an email. It's Ruben at BreakingIntoStartups.com. Feedback is a gift. I love feedback, positive or negative. Or you can email my co-founders in the team, which is Archer, Timor, Patrick at BreakingIntoStartups.com. And without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arthur and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so tonight we're actually at Twilio. And... If the name sounds familiar, we've actually recorded several guests on the podcast who worked in sales at Twilio. And today we have another special guest who works for Twilio.org. Ruben will tell you a little bit more about her. But if you are interested to see what Twilio looks like on the inside, we did a video walking tour of their campus. So you can see where they work, what they eat, how they play. And we're going to post those videos on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. So definitely stay tuned. Ruben, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah, we're here with Erica Balbuena. She is one of my favorite people that I've never met until today. (laughs) She's the head of strategic initiatives at Twilio.org. She's been here for a little over four years. She was at TaskRacket before that. Um, And what's really cool about her is not just that she's been in tech for a long time, but she has deep experience working in nonprofit industry, being on several boards. She's bilingual. She speaks Spanish. And she 
is about to launch a project that's really exciting. It's a podcast project called The Only. And it's interesting that we're finding out a little bit more about this because she and I got connected in a way that is consistent with what their project is about. But before telling you about it, let's just say welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me, yeah, guys. welcome. Thanks for letting me share a place that's meant a lot to me for the past four and a half years, Twilio. And I'm excited to dive in and tell you more about my journey. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. So from what I recall, the way that you and I connected is I saw a tweet online where people were asking, are there any women VCs? And I just responded and I tagged a lot of people that I knew, including you, that were doing their thing in the space that were women VCs, didn't think much of it. And then you responded to me. So tell me a little bit more about like your thoughts about that and how it ties into what you're doing with The Only. Yeah. So the tweet came out. It was actually based, you responded to an article that was 30 women in VC to watch. I currently, one of my roles here at Twilio is our impact fund. And that basically is money that came from our pledge 1%. It's in a donor advised fund and we make grants and impact investments out of it. Mm -hmm. So you used to work at Hustle. Uh We made an investment in Hustle's Series A. It was our first investment. And so that's my, that has been my entree on the impact investing in VC sides, corporate VC side. And the thing that the reason that this connects to the only, which is something I just recently launched, it's the only project.co, is that I played football in high school as the only girl on the tackle freshman football team. And I'm fascinated by the stories of women who are in uh, positions where they're either the only woman in the room or they're one of the only women in the room. Like what happens to the gender dynamics and people around them. And so I want to tell those stories. And I want to tell the stories of people, not who have, you know, writing books and being Mm -hmm. famous is important, but the everyday woman who we can all relate to, who we know definitely this happens in tech, but I want this far beyond tech. So if you are listening and you know someone who has been been an only or you've been an only yourself, please go to the website and submit a nomination form and I'm going to reach out to folks. But, you know, I want people in academia, in construction, in all types of industries, because I think that it not only helps women be inspired and talks about perseverance and the stories they've gone through, but I actually think it makes better allies of men Mm -hmm. to understand Mm -hmm. the female perspective on what it's like, because you either learn what you did do or what you didn't do and how to be a better ally. What about women in Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu? Yes. Send (laughs) them over. We got some ideas for you. (laughs) Yeah, tackle football is cool. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're at Twilio.org. This is an amazing yep. project. We're definitely going to make sure more people learn more about what you're working you. on. But tell us, what is Twilio.org? I know there's impact investing, but kind of break it down for the people. Yeah, that starting are, at the top. Yeah. So Twilio.org actually started the week before I got to Twilio. So I was part of the kind of growth team, but I there were a couple people here. Shout out to Megan Murphy, who was my boss, who hired me, who helped start.org. And the mission of Twilio.org is to fuel communications that give hope, power, and freedom. Okay. So we are a program with inside of Twilio. Think of us as a social enterprise. We are actually a team that generates revenue, which is a, okay. a, a little, yeah, it's a surprise to people. Um, but we basically operate as a social enterprise by three different legs. So the first is our product access program, impact access program that gives a $500 kickstart credit and 25% off to qualifying nonprofit organizations, B Corps, and social enterprises. Okay. The second part is our Impact Core, uh-huh. which is our developer volunteer program. So we want developers within the Twilio community. If you're listening again and you're an engineer, please join us. And Twilio employees basically help us code a better world by signing up and helping nonprofit customers get started and up and running on Twilio. And my big vision for that is that we actually have a platform one day where you 
kind of nonprofits have a one-stop shop for technical help. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is the impact fund, which I mentioned. So right now we just launched this last year. We give away about a million and a half dollars. And last year it was more weighted on nonprofits. This year I'm trying to make it more even 50-50 investments and grants. But we focus, we take a platform and a portfolio approach because kind of a broad approach. Our check sizes for investments are 50 to 250,000 seed in series A, mm-hmm. and then grants go up to $250,000. And we look at this year, the focus will be around creating a stronger democracy mm-hmm. for people to communicate with elected officials. Mm-hmm. Another focus area is crisis response. And then the third is quality work and education. And we have a fourth bucket that we reserve. So diversity and inclusion is incredibly important at Twilio. I helped found our women's group and we, I was trying to figure out a way for us to leverage our capital to continue that. And so we have a portion of our funding that goes to organizations who are helping folks from underrepresented backgrounds in tech, 18 and over, Mm -hmm. become developers. And we do that because we also have an apprenticeship program called a Hatch. Shout out to Vivek Nair for getting that off the ground last year, where we hire people, junior developers. They are paid apprenticeship here at Twilio for six months. Uh They get in, they're embedded in engineering teams. They learn about Twilio engineering. And then the goal is to hire them or get them hired in the tech sector. I actually know a few Dev Bootcamp grads who are part of the apprenticeship program. Marvelous. uh, Now they're part of the team. They are. We hired, I was just going to say, we hired all five of them. I'm incredibly proud of the program. And we want other companies to adopt the model. Wow. Yeah. So so many different questions. I know. Yeah. I was going to say, I gave Impact you a lot. Investing, apprenticeships, <laughs> nonprofits, things yes. like that. Definitely want to go in on, on all of those things. But before, so people are clear on what Twilio does. Like, yes. Can you explain it in as <clears throat> plain English as you I'm, can? Yes. So the way that I usually explain it is I think of Twilio as a Lego. So if you were to go build Uber today, and this is not how Uber was built, you, would, you might take the PayPal Lego for payments or the square Lego. You might take the Google Maps Lego for maps. And then you're going to take the Twilio Lego for text messaging and phone calls. So you have used Twilio probably a thousand times and never known it. You've used it if you're a Red Cross volunteer and you've gotten a notification about a house fire, whether you should show up or not. You've called it if you called a hotline or an interactive voice responder, IVR, like press one for this, two for that. If you called a major contact center, that's another one. So Twilio is embedded communications, video, text messaging, voice that developers use in their web or mobile apps. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And just to give our listeners an idea, how big is Twilio today? So I joined four and a half years ago, right under 200 people. Mm-hmm. We are currently about 1,100 folks wow. with, I think, 12 global offices, unless we open one and I can't keep track anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how many messages per year? Oh, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But, and I'm not sure we talk about that. Okay. Like we, well, I can, tell, I can tell you from the .org perspective. I don't know from Twilio overall. Yeah. From the .org perspective, as of last September, we had sent 400... We had powered, excuse me, because our customers send yeah. them, mm-hmm. powered 480 million messages. That's wow. incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we, we, get, we get thousands of... Or I want to say thousands. We get a lot of requests from people asking how to break into venture capital. Yes. Something else that people ask is... What is social impact investing? Like, yeah. how do you get aligned with people that aren't just focused on profits? Like, they want to measure impact and do similar things that you're doing. Yep. And I know you all are revenue generating, but can you kind of explain the difference with, I know obviously like you want returns, yep. but there's, you have the, it's kind of like K-Pool, right? You have a diversity inclusion yep. side and also impact and this profit side. So can you kind of break that down? 
So Twilio.org, we, so the first, the good thing about all of this is that with a movement like Pledge One, you have over, I think they have over 4,000 companies now who have taken the Pledge 1%. Mm -hmm. So they've pledged their pre 1% of their pre-IPO equity into doing good in the world. So one, you're going to start like for folks who are looking for companies who do good, you're going to start seeing a lot more of them. Also, you know, companies that come that like Kapoor invests in, you have a founder's commitment for diversity and inclusion. So I think you're seeing a broad, you're seeing a growth there. From a .org side, the way that we balance that is, you know, we could have gone the foundation route and we chose to go the donor advised fund route. And actually, that's probably one of the things we end up talking to other social impact professionals about a lot. We believe in the DAF model because it gives us the most flexibility with the funds. And we were already supporting social enterprises and B Corps with our product donation program. So why wouldn't we support them with, with investment as well? Mm -hmm. The goal there is to get us to a point, get our team to a point where we are making profit so that we can actually put it back into the DAF and it mm -hmm. funds future investments and grants. And that's the idea with, that's both with our customers and with our investments. You know, and that one thing I would encourage other companies to consider is you're already writing checks to nonprofits with zero return. Mm -hmm. So an impact investing, <laughs> you know, for the right deal and the right match for your company has a level of return mm -hmm. that's promising. So mm -hmm. we, that's how we look at it. That's why I'm excited. The other unique thing that we did was we partnered internally with our corporate development team. So we are the impact professionals. They are the kind of finance and dev professionals. That's mm -hmm. our investment committee. Mm -hmm. And then we also partnered with outside investors. So we launched with six partners, Kapor Capital, Omidyar, Draper mm -hmm. Richards Kaplan, Fast Forward Accelerator, Village Capital, mm -hmm. and Gates Foundation. Oh, nice. And we did that again because they are the investment professionals. Mm -hmm. We never lead around. We're always a co-investor. We also kind of bring a tech expertise to the table for them if we co-invest on something. And we can share pipeline. And yep. that way we help... Deal flow. Right? Deal flow. We help make mm -hmm. the ecosystem better. Myself and I, I think a lot of people at Twilio, we very much have a mindset of, you know, most all ships lift rising tides. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. And I just... every Everything is better together. Like Got you it. should look for ways to collaborate. Yeah. So that's good guidance. So like for people that want to break in, I know you yeah. all are hiring on your team. Like what qualities do you look for in people that want to work? in like social impact and investing? Is it just people that know finance and know tech? or So we like? are hiring on our team for a sales engineer right now. I don't know if we will be hiring later this year, but definitely stay tuned. There are seven of us. This person will be the eighth person on the Twilio.org team. And I think one of the things that's... In, so there are two ways usually that you get into social impact work, which is a question I get a lot. One of which is you are hired directly into the role. So you have relevant experience. We have a salesperson on our team who had kind of nonprofit sales experience. And so she was a great fit for our team. The other way is that you work within a company that has a social impact program and you, you know, take a little bit longer, but you make the circuitous route and you come in through the company. So actually two people on my team have been hired in from other teams. The third kind of the third way, but the 2A, I should say, is actually the way that my friend Joe at Dropbox got in, which is that he was on the recruiting team. They didn't have a social impact program. And he just said, I'm going to go start it. And he got a bunch <laughs> yeah. of people and he made the case for it and he built it. And so, you know, these jobs are highly coveted. People tend to stay in them for a long time because they're incredibly rewarding and they're, and they're pretty fantastic. But I do think you're going to see an uptick in availability of them. And I really think if you can't get one directly, like go join the company, become a part of the team, mm -hmm. come up with some ideas and get in, yeah. get in through the back channel. And you mentioned pledge 1%. So yeah. there's companies that 
I guess, can you talk about more a little bit more about Pledge 1%? Because yep. it's money that has to be given away or do you manage that 1%? How does that work? And should people pay closer attention to those companies if they are looking for this type of work? Yeah, they're just so that's a great database to see mm-hmm. kind of who that's. So first of all, that's one way to do yeah. social impact, right? It's, it's the monetary way. There are definitely other companies that do this in other ways. But yes, I think they're a great resource. Pledge 1% got started out of uh, Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It is now its own nonprofit that sits within the Tides Foundation. And one of their big goals has just been to get companies all around the world to sign up for the pledge and make that commitment, whether you're a two-person startup or a you know thousand-person company, to make that commitment to do good in the world and give back. They manage their own money. So we, for example, have a DA, a donor advised fund. You know, Tides and I work together. We find the grantees, we get final approval from them or the investments, and then they help us make final decisions. And Ruben, to your question about investing, I mean, I laugh. That tweet was an honor, but I, I mean, this is like totally startup life. It was just like one day we were like, well, we're going to do, we're going to do investments as well. And Erica, yep, you're going to do that. So, I mean, this is one of the, I think every, probably every year my job has changed at Twilio. Maybe even every six months I'm doing something new where I'm like every single day at Twilio, yeah. I'm doing something I've never done before. Yeah, And that's, you know, I've done a lot of reflection. That's what feeds my soul and that's yeah. what keeps me going and motivates me. But investing has been one of those things. It's probably one of the most exciting things I've gotten to do because of the kind of the economic power that you can bring to bear to good with the funds that we have is just incredibly exciting to see people build companies. That's awesome. And and I think that's a great segue into the other things you've done at Twilio. But before going into that, can you kind of mention some of the projects that people have created that are that your social impact fund has helped out like you mentioned something that's helping with like alerts uh for yeah. things that are happening related to immigration can you talk about that yeah so twilio is a platform and so developers can kind of build whatever they want on it and we empower them to do that we want them to do that it's actually how .org got started as y'all you will hear from jeff on the on the video tour you know they threw up this platform and then Nonprofit developers were like, oh, can we have some credits because we're building this really great thing? And so that's .org came from a community request. And again, wear your customers' shoes, listen to your customers. And so... Yeah. So like an example, I think you called it Notifica. That's what yes. it was called. So Notifica was built to basically help alert immigrants of ICE raids. Mm-hmm. So that was that's one of the tools that's that's been built on Twilio. Something happened today in Sacramento, right? Wasn't something going on with people with sanctuary cities and things like that. I don't actually know the specifics of that one. But you're um, supporting, yeah, like, I mean, preserving. We, so, so we support them because they apply to .org and they get credit. We, one of the ways that I see a lot of, when I see a lot of like developed community focused things built is during crisis response. And I had up our crisis response strategy. So we get a lot of people, like we just got someone from Puerto Rico writing in and saying that he built a chat bot. Where you can t- you can text in like food or shelter, oh, or water, awesome. or FEMA, and you'll find out information. We had a great story where a developer in from our community tweeted to us. He was in her in Friendswood, Texas. Mm-hmm. This is on our blog, um, and said, "I need to spin up a contact center ASAP." Took one of our employees' contact center code, and our other sales engineers basically helped him spin up a contact center in 36 hours. Wow. They used it for two to three weeks to help triage all of the incoming phone calls that community needed to be able to handle flood relief and flood response and everything else. You know, and Twilio is a pay-as-you-go platform, so they shut it off when they didn't need it anymore. 
But that's one of the things I'm focused on this year is trying to figure out how we build better tools for crisis response and get them into the hands of people that matter. See, Code for America, actually, shout out to them. They are also, because of their brigade model and local community model, they've built some really, really awesome stuff on Twilio. One of the apps that they're that they've, they're working on that's actually become a big initiative for them is called CalFresh, okay. where you can check your balance on your food stamps card. Whereas like before you had to literally sit on hold for 30 minutes wow. on a painful phone line, right? So yeah. solving problems like that, they're really yeah, yeah. great at. Cool. That's cool. really cool. And you, it sounds like Twilio is helping nonprofits and uh, different social organizations on multiple fronts because everyone needs a way to communicate and you guys give them the tools to do so. And it's on a global scale. It's not just in San Francisco. Probably most of your social impact projects that use Twilio are around the world. Yeah. So we, so most, so there's two ways to answer that question Mm -hmm. and look at it. One is where are our customers headquartered? And the other question is where are our messages being sent? And so we definitely have a kind of a large North American presence as Mm -hmm. You know, as that's where Twilio started, and SMS is definitely the way that people usually find out about us. But you know, we have phone numbers now in a hundred countries, so Twilio can send a message anywhere in the world. It's just that when you, if you were in Myanmar, if you tried to send it, well, that's a maybe an extreme example, perhaps Nepal. Like if you were in Nepal and you wanted to send a text message back, you would just incur higher rates if we don't have a phone number there. Got it. So that's why one of our superpowers is our super network team that mm-hmm. gets all those carrier relationships and all those phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I'm like our team, I'm incredibly excited about that opportunity because that means yeah. we can help more global NGOs, yep. more folks in the developing world. Mm-hmm. We had a really cool use case out of Cambodia with UNICEF where they created a voice hotline to help people in rural areas register births. Yep. So folks around here may not know this, but like you don't go to a hospital and have a birth certificate, right? If you yeah. are born in a in a village somewhere, like who records that data? Who even holds that data? How does someone even know? And so that was a birth registering project that th- that we did with wow. UNICEF. Awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Very cool. Or UNICEF did with us, I should yeah. say. So when you were at Twilio, you started off as a community manager. I did. What does a community manager do <laughs> at a tech company? Um, you did that as well at Tesla. I did do it. That was, my, that was my breaking into startups role. So a community manager is basically responsible for a portion of a customer community. And traditionally, they can sit in usually the... I sat in the marketing department. You can also sit in the support department. But it's a way to ensure that your community is kind of getting what they need. It's different than customer support because that's kind of solving issues. This is about creating community, extending your brand, kind of making evangelists of all of your customers. So my first year at Twilio was actually part.org because Twilio.org was on our team and came from a community request. The other part of it was supporting different developer communities by hosting events here and making our space available. I was also working with different accelerators to make sure that Twilio got in the hands of budding entrepreneurs and companies. And then it was Kyle on our team was writing all of our blog posts and doing all of our social and making sure that, again, the message and branding of Twilio resonated with our developer community. Yeah. So how are you measured to know that you did a good job as that? Or how do you prepare for an interview to even like do that? That's a great question. It's one I actually haven't answered in a while since I've been doing .org for so long. So when I broke into TaskRabbit, Mm -hmm. the way that I thought about community management was I have a background in nonprofit consulting. Mm -hmm. And that background was, I basically was put in the middle of nowhere, literally in Idaho, and told to go raise 
five and a half million dollars in five months. And so I'm the only person in that community rallying the community, making sure they're doing their right, they're giving phases, everything. So I basically looked at my background and my history, my resume and said, I've been a community builder my whole life. And whether it was personally or professionally. And so the measurement that we... And so that's why I applied to the job at TaskRabbit as community manager and thought it was a great spot for me to be in. I'm also pretty social and I like working with people. So it's a great way to connect and again, help build that brand and be there for people you know, kind of super users that were driving growth on the platform. Yeah. The way that you are measured, I'm trying to helping me rack my brain. The way that we were measuring things back then was like, depending on the platform you're using. Mm-hmm. So you have a number of engagement metrics around that. You could be looking at social sharing. You could be managing events. One person, if you're interested in community management, there's, there's actually a whole group called CMX. David Spinks founded it. It's a fantastic it's the community manager group of community managers. They hold a conference every year, actually maybe twice a year. He's incredible. And Lagaya Tishi, shout out to her. She's definitely was one of my kind of mentors in that mm-hmm. space. She built the Yelp and Airbnb program. But you know, it's just it's different for every company, but it's about engagements, whether that's a digital engagement or offline engagement. That's what you're trying to yeah. measure. And what I like about your story or the way you tell your breaking story is there's like there's two notions there's a job description and then there's things that you've done before that may not be in a professional setting but like you said growing up and just in your life you've had community experience so it might not have been an exact role that you were getting paid for but you were able to relay that experience as part of your story as you're getting a job and i think that's very critical for people listening to understand that there's a lot of things that like you the person listening have done in your life and when you look at job descriptions, they are intimidating, right? Because a lot of the times people are saying, hey, you need two years of experience and I need you to have X, Y, and Z. Sometimes I'll even say prior community management experience. But what we always say, it's almost like a nice to have. So when you're, if you can connect to the right person and you know how to tell your story and convince them that those two years of experience came from something else that you've been doing, then it's an easy sell. Not to beat a dead horse there, yeah. but like you could literally think about volunteering, yes. anything that you've yes. done, work at a church or all these different things that uh-huh. you might have done, call it community manager if you've been community building. Right. Or whatever like, that skill whatever is, right? Was that- I think the other, so the other thing that made a difference in this is, you know, I haven't job searched in a while, luckily, because I've been at Twilio for four and a half years, but the important part of the breaking in story for me. Mm-hmm. So here's, I basically had come back from taking a six month travel break with my husband and took me about three months of hardcore job searching to get mm-hmm. to TaskRabbit. And the way that I did it was I basically went through every list of like every tech list I could find. So hot startups to watch, companies growing, like all of those lists. I started going through companies, seeing... Like, seeing, a, like in the news? Yes. Like okay. media, just like seeing what piqued my interest, followed people on Twitter, just looked everywhere online to kind of mine what was interesting to me. I then started volunteering when Women 2.0 was still having events. Oh, yeah. Shout so, out yeah. to Shaha Rose. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Love her. Started volunteering with them, started going to events. What you do find out about events is that a lot of times there are a lot of other job seekers, not necessarily job holders at kind of those type of events. I ended up, I had already identified TaskRabbit as a place I wanted to work. I show up at the Women 2.0 event. I'm volunteering at the front and Leah is the speaker that night. And so I went up to her afterwards and said that I wanted to work for her. Oh, wow. The other thing about whether it's social impact or tech, like I was just willing to do anything. Like yep. just coach put me in. Yeah, and I will again, prove, prove my worth <laughs> yeah. and like, and wow you and we'll figure out moving up, but like, just get me in the door. Right. 
So I actually applied for a customer service role, even though I had had four and a half years of professional experience by that point. And I went in an interview and they're like, actually, we have this much better role for you, <laughs> community manager. Um, and so I went in and had a second round interview. But before I did the third round interview, I sat down and I put an entire plan together. And this is the thing that I think that absolutely sealed the deal if the deal, to my knowledge, wasn't sealed already. Was I basically, it was probably about five or six slides. It was like what I bring to the table, what I'm going to do. And then it was a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you don't have, to your point, like if you don't have the direct skills or you're in the must have category, then you need to prove what you're going to do for the company. And I always, I will do that for every job interview ever mm-hmm. because it helps someone, you're showing them your vision. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had to do a 30, 60, 90 for my last two roles. Exactly. It's interesting though. You had the confidence to speak to the person <laughs> yes. to tell them that you wanted to work there. <laughs> yes. She told you to apply to the website or you did that on your I had own. already done it, I you think, maybe that it, day. Which is also important because yes. a lot of times you want to, if they try to push you and just say, apply on the website, you can be like, I already did that. Yep. What's up? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, the confidence piece, I've tried to dissect a lot to be able to kind of share how comfortable I am networking and talking to other people. I mean, my mother likes to say I just came out that way because at the age of three, I literally went up to ballerinas after the Nutcracker sat down at their table and said, hi, I'm Erica and expected <laughs> and proceeded to have a 30 minute adult conversation with them. So I'm not, I was definitely born social and gregarious yeah. with a bit of confidence and feel very blessed to have been that way. Cause I know networking and kind of hustling like that, like going up to a, the founder of a company when you have no idea and asking for a job, like that's really intimidating yeah. for some people. And so I think the more that you can get out there and practice and have your wing woman or wing man, wing buddy to help you be comfortable is really important. Yeah. And uh, before we jump in into the next topic, I think it's important for people to kind of understand your mindset. Yeah. When you did walk up to the CEO of a huge company, like what were you thinking in your head? Because sometimes people think that this person is super busy. They're not going to yeah. have time for me or they make excuses. What was your mindset when you did that? Great question. So I think by that time, I had been searching for probably about two months. I was kind of ready to find a job. I was not in like fear or defeatist mode yet. The benefit of that setting was it was a social setting. Like Leah was prepared to kind of talk to people and answer questions. She had her team there. And so I was able to kind of... I think I met one person, uh, was introduced to one person at Taskar, but before her. But I was just kind of fearless. Like, like, what do you have to lose? What a good word. Right? And so I just... I don't remember thinking anything other than like, I'm going to go give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, great. I'll go do something else. But like, I'm going to go say hi and introduce myself. And hopefully this all works out. The worst they could say is no. Right. (laughs) Exactly. They're just, they're just, they're literally just people. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. And do you think uh, your experience on the, like you mentioned that you were the only woman on the tackle team, on the sophomore tackle football team. Yeah. Do you think that experience (laughs) kind of forelaid into your professional life? And like breaking through barriers or kind of, I don't know. I have thought about that question a lot. The experience was definitely an incredibly difficult one for me. And it's something I didn't talk about for a long time because I, it was just hard. And I was, I also wasn't in a place yet to be proud of it. I think, and what's interesting, what's interesting about my experience in tech is that I broke into tech at a female founded company when we were small. The chest carpet was, I think, only about 35 folks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a tiny place. It was an incredibly supportive place. And then I came to a company with an incredibly conscious and fantastic CEO who cared about, you know, diversity and inclusion and all of these other things. And and I'm not saying either of those places is perfect and wasn't without problems, 
but I have been incredibly fortunate to not experience what a lot of other women have mm-hmm. experienced in technology, which is unfortunately in the news a lot. Maybe actually a good thing that it's in the news and we're having these uncomfortable conversations. So I I don't I find it I've mm-hmm. I've thought I've reflected a lot about the fact that I had you know yeah. I, I had that experience of being an only and there are a lot of women around me who are yeah. the only but I have been fortunate to to not I'm yeah. definitely the only woman in the room sometimes but I don't yeah. notice it as much and so I think my job then is that I'm in a place of power and confidence and so how can I make a seat at my table for mm-hmm. other women mm-hmm. I after the election last year you know, did a lot of reflecting on how I can personally, even if it's tiny, kind of make a difference in the lives of women who are underrepresented in tech. And so I've chosen in my personal life, I don't have a ton of time as I'm a working mom and wife and and do stuff on the side, but how can I take time to mentor women? And I now only mentor women who are Black or Latinx. So I'm specifically mentoring women who are underrepresented in my field in the hopes that one day, like first we got to get women to the table, right? And then I got to scoot over or stand up and vacate my seat and give it to a woman of color well, that's, because awesome. that's really important. Yeah. What are some of the advice you give to these women? Because there's probably women listening now who want to wanna get the seat at the table, Yeah. but there's a lot of structural things in the way. So yes. what advice do you have for women who want to kind of be that, like kind of who want to go after that job or get that seat at the table? So one you need your girl group behind you. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, this is tough. This stuff is tough. You know, I think Boz talks a lot this, about this a lot. There's some quotes floating around the internet, but you know, behind every great woman is a whole group, a whole group text cheering her on. You have to have support. So mm-hmm. that's, that's number one, whatever that means for you. For me, it's a girl group or it's, and it's a couple of women's groups. Mm-hmm. The second piece is that finding male allies is really important. So one of the things that I explored uh, that we were talking about with some friends the other day was salary, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to figure out your salary and your pay equity, you can't just talk to women. You got to go talk to men mm-hmm. and you got to figure out what they're being paid. Cause guess what? They're probably being paid more than you and they, right. And they have the power in that situation. So I think whether it's pay, whether it's salary, whether it's breaking into a company, finding men who are like, can be your friends and mm-hmm. supportive of you is really important. I think the other thing that we, that I'm kind of big on is, you know, getting to know yourself that's a very simple phrase, but there's a lot of nuance <laughs> in that. Whether it's fig- it's figuring out what makes you happy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are not going to be a good person at work or at home or to your friends unless you figure out what makes you tick and what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I've spent many years, you know, in and out of, of therapy at times in my life, doing like energy work, like unblocking mm-hmm. all the things that would keep me back yeah. uh, from advancing in my life. And it's something I continually do because the better I know myself, the better I am at work, the better wife I am, the better mother, definitely the better mom I am, the happier I am and the better colleague I can be because I'm not right. There's not a a chip on my shoulder or I'm not competing with anyone kind of, but making sure that myself is Mm -hmm. great. And then I think it's about the one place actually from that, that I always come back to if you're having a bad day is gratitude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how, so if I'm having a bad day, like I need to instantly find a way to be grateful because it just, it changes your entire mm-hmm. mindset. I actually did yeah. an entire course on gratitude a couple of years <laughs> the ago. Way to happiness. Yeah. Right. It really is. It's not just thinking like, oh, someone always has it worse. It's just gratitude for something or something that you have. Yeah. And I love the points that you brought up about not just self-care, but also your support group. I know we work yeah. with Sister Circle, with Lexi at Airbnb. Yeah. Um, Edalene does the Women of Color in Tech Bay Area situation. Salary information is really important. Negotiation, understanding. Yes. 
all that type of stuff. Um, and um, on that point, tech ladies is a great, I think they're over 10,000 women in that Facebook group oh, wow. right now. There's also tech lady mafia. There's oh, yeah, tech ladies, um, yeah. like there's probably black women engineers. I mean, there's a ton of groups mm -hmm. now that exist online. Yeah. So if you identify as one of these groups, lesbians who tech is an amazing yeah. organization. They just yep. had their conference in San Francisco. Yeah. Find your people, yeah. find your people that support you and want to cheer you on. I'm a part of another women's group called dreamers and doers. And our hashtag is literally better together because like all tides lift rising ships. Like 100%. there is enough space at the table for everyone. And we just need to help each other out together. Yeah. And as someone that's super busy, yeah. that does want to make time to mentor. I know you can't mentor everybody, <laughs> yeah. but like what, what um, can someone do to like get time with in, me? With you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a little full right now, mm -hmm. to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that I look for, so one, you are welcome to email me. It's just Erica at Twilio. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Twitter, although Twitter seems to be an angry echo chamber lately. So for mm -hmm. self-care reasons, I <laughs> go in and out. But I, yeah, I'm happy to be reached out there. Don't mind me if I don't get back to you for a couple of weeks, but I always promise I will. You're hearing a lot of my tips and tricks about kind of breaking into social impact and yeah. being at Twilio. But I, I think it's all really important to be helping each other out. Yeah, I think it's important to say not just to get time for you, but as you're trying to find your support network, yeah. that may not be a group, but one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of the women that you want to be mentored by are very busy. Yeah. And so figuring out how to make time in the calendar is key. Gla Glass Breakers is another one. Uh -huh. I mean, mentoring is definitely like Cheryl Sandberg just announced something at Lean In about men mentoring women and mm -hmm. not being afraid to do that, which is really mm -hmm. important right now. So. There are definitely plenty of mentoring options, but also we were talking about this peer mentoring. Oh, so yeah. valuable. Mm -hmm. So valuable. I mean, I yeah. definitely call my peers in the social impact space sometimes more than I'm looking for someone senior or quote unquote older than me because they're going through it. They're exactly. going through the same yeah. thing. So you don't always need someone who's like yeah. 10 years older and has gray hair. You need someone that's just doing their job yeah. well and you respect. And speaking of men mentoring women, can yes. you give tips to the men that want to mentor women? You've already given us a lot of tips. Yes. What can I say about that? I mean, for like, if you're at all worried or nervous about anything, I mean, first of all, like, how would you treat your mother or your sister? Like, you that, for, like first and foremost, if you don't know how to do that. I don't know how to help you. But like, <laughs> just keep that in the back of your mind. You know, I know some women have kind of rules now about fundraising or meeting business meetings, like do things during the day so that in no way are you being like, nothing's perceived at all to be inappropriate. Make sure that you're, I mean, the best thing to mentoring is like figuring out the person's intention, right? So what do they want out of this? How can you help them? I think a lot of times it's hard for a mentee because you feel like you're just getting and there's not a lot for you to give back to the person. I actually, from my experience so far, it's been probably about nine months since I started doing this. I am so energized after every call. I don't even need them to give me anything. I just want to know that I'm like me just listening to them sometimes is incredibly important. So that's incredibly rewarding to me. Like know that don't feel guilty about you not quote unquote delivering anything, just being there as a listening ear. And then, you know, I think the other thing if a, for men is being an outspoken ally. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things that we talk about here at Twilio, but that are definitely talked about like, if you're in a meeting with a woman, you know, echo what she's saying. If she has an idea, be sure to either ask her to share her idea or make sure that you're repeating her idea so that the group hears. Make sure you're talking about the importance of having women on your team. Like yep. women and people of color cannot be the only ones talking about diversity and inclusion. Yep. It gets tiring. And yep. I'm a white straight woman, so I'm not even that tired. There are a lot of people who have fought a lot harder than me. 
But I think that's really important. Like men are in power. So men need to be the ones that lift people up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's, that's super helpful. And before going into the lightning round, is there anything, any other tips you want to share about the journey, about how you broke in and people that want to kind of be like you or get to your level? I would say, you know, I think one of the things that has helped me twice in my road was one, I did a success factors. Is it six? No, sorry. Oh, sugar. What's it called? Not success factors. That's another, that's an HR company. Six. It was like success a center. Uh, no, it was, I can't remember what it's called. Success something. It's about personal evaluation. And it's all about it. Basically you come out of it with like, what are your superpowers? I think so often people focus on what's wrong with them and mm-hmm. what they could improve upon. When really, if you took that energy and doubled down on the things that you're already yeah. good at, mm-hmm. you would go so far. Yeah. And I've done that. I did that. I think before, I think that was actually part of my like tech exploration tour. Mm-hmm. I did that. And then I just did it. Twilio had one that we did internally with HR. And it was just a gut check for me to say, to reinforce like, what skills do I bring to the table? What am I good at? Like, what should I keep doing? What should yeah. I stop doing? Um, and I think those moments are really important, especially for me. Again, like my job has changed so frequently that I always in a place to say, like, even if I don't like something, I still have to get it done. Yep. That's really important. And secondly, like if I do love something, how can I keep doing it, but also make time for all of my priorities? Yeah. Love it. Super good tips. Timor. Yeah. Yep. So at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round and this is where we'll ask you several questions, but the responses that we are looking for are more like strategic tactics, anything that you've used to get to where you are today. Great. Yeah. So this question takes us back to the basics. So imagine you just uh, moved to a brand new city. You don't know anyone and you have $100 uh, to spend on something to break into tech. So what would you do and how would you spend that $100 to get your foot in the door? So first, I would try not to spend that $100. My main goal would be probably to barter and trade for anything that I needed. Um, Because I would want that $100 to either be able to grow or I want it to be able to last. Wow. So I would... I would... Well, with economic power comes choice. So I would, I would find way. I would be going to events. Mm -hmm. I would be if I was if I had to crash on someone's couch. I would be cleaning their house. I would be you know walking their dog. I would be doing work for them, Mm -hmm. like whatever trade I needed to do to help that person out to give me shelter. If I needed food, I would. I'd probably have to spend a little bit of that money, but I'd also (laughs) be making food at home. If I wanted to break into tech, I mean, again, this kind of hustle confidence that I have, I would just, I would just get out there and meet as many people as possible. I'm not afraid of walking up to someone, not afraid of DMing someone, Ruben, not afraid of like cold reaching out. You'd be, you know, LinkedIn has this whole thing now where you can choose to be a mentor or mentee. Mm -hmm. Just people are so much more open to having these conversations. Don't use the phrase, pick your brain. It's, there's a whole thing about it with women. Don't do that because it's our time is valuable. So just say you want to learn or share. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would try to make that $100 last as long as humanly possible nice. until I was Love getting it. a paying job. And nothing's beneath you. Like mm-hmm. if I need to go work at Starbucks or I need to go clean something, like yeah. that's what you do. Plus there's the gig economy. Hello. Yeah. TaskRabbit, Lyft, like that would also probably be, mm-hmm. you know, pick up odd jobs, Fiverr. Like you just do what you got to do. I like yeah. it. Love I it. like it. Yeah. And speaking of self-care and the mindset that you develop through playing football and being the only in so many different rooms. Tell us a little bit about your routine that you follow oh, on a day-to-day yeah. basis. The routine's got definitely gotten a little off, I will admit, in the last <laughs> month or two. It's been a little crazy. 
but my routine is usually I'm get I usually get up in the morning around six and I try to work out on these are on this is the best of days for me. I try to work out before work because I like getting ready at home and it's also an amazing way for me to start my day. How did I become a morning person? I basically just committed for about two or three weeks to get up. I also had a buddy for two or three two or three of those days that would do a walk with me in the morning. So I had an accountability buddy, which I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of in any scenario. Accountability buddy. I like that. <laughs> That's a great way to develop a habit is have one of those. Yeah. This morning uh, I woke up proven at, I think he 6.15 did. and I was like, Ruben, we're doing Muay Thai or what? And I was like, uh, he was like, <laughs> it, it took him or a what, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I almost stayed asleep, but yep. he, was, he like, you got to get it. You got to get up, right? That's my accountability. Yep. <laughs> and then my daughter usually gets up at about 6.30, 6.45. We have a little snuggles and then we'll all get ready. We just moved out of San Francisco, which I'm a San Francisco native. So this is, and a city girl. So this is, I'm adjusting to this, a but we, yeah, big move. We, we bought a house though. So I'm incredibly proud and excited about that owning yep and so then we commute into work i have so you listen to podcasts on the way i do listen to podcasts on the way um (laughs) yours yours (laughs) what should i say here uh yours (laughs) yours might be one of them uh mentoring moments which is uh by forbes the girl boss radio podcast and then pod save america it's also um one of them and then I am, uh, I've been working with a coach, shout out to Nico Everett okay. for the past year. And one of the things that I've, one of my main goals with her has been radical focus. And the thing, the key to that is making sure that I now have chunks of time in my day where I've actually planned out oh. priorities. So I have three priorities at work right now. And I actually have work blocks for all of those things. They are do not schedule time. Do not touch that time. It's just for me. And then I also have a meeting every Friday with myself. If I had an assistant, I would do it with that person, but I'm not there yet. And uh, I basically have a prayer. I basically go through my next week or two and I like drop anything that is not a priority, even meetings. And if a meeting does not have an agenda, it does not happen, agenda or purpose. And then I also schedule all of my gym time. So I use class pass or I go on a walk, but I make sure that that self-care time is scheduled in so that it doesn't get disturbed. And then one of the things that my husband and I do on the recommendation of Adam Grant, who wrote an article about this, is that we have a family. He and I have a meeting on Mondays at 1130 when we're both in work mode so that we don't have to do this during date night. And we like run through the schedule and the week and any kind of like family business that we have to do. So that on date night, we can enjoy ourselves. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's been kind of a game changer. Yeah. It's, been, it's been really great. We we listen to this podcast by Jaga and she says discipline equals freedom. Yes. So it might sound like structure adds overhead, but in reality, it just frees yes. up your time to yes. spend on things that you care. Now, like the working sessions with your partner. Yes. And then it's that frees helpful. up the other time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I'm a very, I'm more of a scheduler than my husband is. He's also on Latin time all the time, which is about 20 to 30 minutes late for everything. So I've had to adjust to that. We've been together for 10 years. But the, you know, so I have enough schedule and rigor in my, in my week with work blocks and work chunks that like I feel productive, but I don't have so much, you know, oh, and then of course I also make time for mentoring and coffee meetings, which are usually later in the week and no meetings Monday. I do not schedule meetings on Monday if I can avoid it at all costs, unless someone is in town and I have to see them because I like to come in on Monday and have my thinking time and my brain time instead of like diving into someone else's time. What a good balance. Yeah. I try. It, I mean, 
it's definitely not it been definitely working for the last your, three weeks. That's but your coach. Yeah, that's my, I, that's my obstacle. I think the three weeks that you broke down that you said like you committed to waking up is important yes. too. Yes. Because even though you had this really tight routine, it takes a while doing it consistently totally. to develop a habit. And if you stop doing it, to Timor's point, we kind of, at least I didn't go as often like this, this week or <laughs> yeah. even these past few days. Yes. And I got off of my routine. Yeah. Like, yeah. You be but be careful. But like also be nice to yourself too, right? Like know, life happens. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're going skiing this weekend. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Physical yeah. activity. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned you have an accountability partner and you have a coach. Yes. And, and a mentor. And a mentor. So tell us a bit more about <laughs> like your coach and your mentor. Like what do you, because a lot of people might think of a mentor, but kind of why would someone want to get a coach or like what does the coach help difference. you with? Yeah. yeah. So I actually don't, well, I consider a lot of people my mentors right now. <laughs> I don't have, I definitely do not have one of them. The coach, um, Nico has been amazing. So I have used a coach before. Um, I actually, I think the first time I used one was through a program called the Coaching Fellowship, which okay. Every young woman listening to this age 25 to 35 should go apply right now. It's an amazing program that my friend Jane Finette started that gives coaching, one-on-one coaching access at an incredibly discounted rate. I think it was like $25 a session from professional nice. coaches. We would love to meet Jane. Yeah. Jane's amazing for three months. Okay. And that's actually where four years ago is where I had the idea for the only with that coach. Interesting. So I've been sleeping on it for four years. I like cooking. The coach, the coach decision was one where... I was just struggling at work, building one of my programs and I wanted someone to push me. Mm -hmm. I wanted someone to hold me accountable and be able to reflect back, like to be able to hear, kind of help me see what I needed. And I interviewed probably a dozen people. The reason I chose Nico was she has social impact experience. So Mm -hmm. somewhat relative, Mm -hmm. but also like she wasn't going to bullshit me. And I like, I like someone to kind of keep it real, keep it real, hold me, hold me accountable. Right. Yeah. And so I've been working with her for about nine months. I'm going to continue working with her, especially because my boss is out on maternity leave, which by the way, side note is also one of the things I love about Twilio is the age diversity that we have. Mm -hmm. You don't have that a lot or hear about that a lot in tech. Mm -hmm. And I think it's incredibly important. We have, I mean, you're here at, you know, we have people who it's totally fine to leave at 530 to get home for your family. And if you need to keep working, you keep working. But like, you know, it's not necessarily that you have to be here till midnight. We have a nice balance here. Yeah. So, and as a working mom, I really, really appreciate that. And paid family leave is incredibly important. Actually, if you want to know how a company treats their female employees and their, and deals with families, look at their paid leave policy for both men and women and their healthcare policies. Mm -hmm. Sorry, total tangent (laughs) on that one. But the coach, so she's been really helpful. I, you know, we sat down and developed goals. Radical focus was Mm -hmm. one of them and developing that kind of whole schedule for myself she actually knew enough about our business and my team that we could actually, we get into like tactics around some of the work product that I have. But a lot of it is, you know, part of it's, she's also great at like saying, stop, we need to talk about you for a second. Because again, if you aren't, if me, Erica is not in a good place, then I can't do this. Um, so there's a little bit of yeah. kind of personal care. In yeah. That. yeah. Love it. I'm curious, how does that compare to having a mentor? And you mentioned that you have kind of, you've had a few mentors throughout your life. But how do you kind of, how do you categorize a mentor compared to a coach? Well, so first a coach is someone you pay for their time and they're dedicated Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. So it's literally my hour that I'm paying for and we can talk about whatever we want. And I don't ever have to feel bad, right? That I'm not asking them about, not asking Nico about her. So I, that's a, it's a more, I don't know if self-serving is the right phrase, but like self-care. Yeah. It can be tactical. It can also be. It's not always tactical. but I mean, I think what you tactical. mean is like it's your hour. It's like it's going your, to the gym and getting going to the a personal gym, going trainer, to therapy, or whatever work. that is. It's that a personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think with a mentor, it's 
it's a little bit more fluid. I still think that you should be clear on intention Mm -hmm. and you should be clear on outcome. Um, And that doesn't mean you need to say, Oh, we're only going to meet for coffee like every six months. But I'll give you an example. Someone here at Twilio reached out to me last year and wanted to mentor me. She, she was amazing. She put together a two page plan on her professional goals. So I knew what, I knew what she was driving towards. And then she identified ways that she thought I could help her. And that was so incredibly helpful because then I knew what her intention was. And when we met every week, I could check in with her on that. When I have peer mentors now at this point, it's usually about a specific topic. So I'm kind of talking Mm -hmm. about something pretty specific. I don't have too many general mentors right now because I have a coach and I get so much focused Erica time that anything I do outside is usually pretty specific to my focus. Erica time. I like that. I like that. So I, I know, I know we're way over time. That's um, fine. Can I ask you one more question? Oh, you can ask me a couple more. <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to whenever you're like in radical focus mode or what do you think about to like for your mindset to like get radically focused? Cause a lot of times like making time is important. Like you said, like scheduling and things like that. But sometimes it's a double edged sword where you have all that freedom, but you don't know how to stay accountable and different people do different things in order to get focus. And it might be music. It might be something else. What do you do? So one, I like my desk set up at work with a dual monitor. It's actually not distracting. I like seeing thing, things on a big screen, especially if I have to write something. Secondly, I I cannot listen to music with words. It <laughs> it does not help me write at all. So I actually turn on either classical guitar, classical, nice. whatever study music YouTube or Spotify has. And I just put my headphones in and that's that. That's awesome. Um, my dad likes Earl Clue. Yeah. I, it doesn't even matter what it is. I just need like music without words to plug in. If I, if I'm really doing some thinking, I might hop into a conference room, but usually I like my dual screen setup. And then for me, it's usually always also ha- making sure I have enough time for that like thought project or that paper mm-hmm. or that paper that I'm writing. Like 30 minutes is not enough time. I usually have an hour to an hour and a half chunk mm-hmm. block of chunk. Definitely turn off your email and your social media. And if I'm being really focused, I'll turn off my Wi-Fi um, mm. if I really have to get serious. And then I'm not even tempted to go on yeah. the web. Unplug. Yeah. Really, really, really unplug. I'm thinking cool. about unplug Friday nights or something like that. There we go. That yeah. sounds yeah. good. Shabbat, dude. Shabbat. You got to stay focused. <laughs> You're right. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, de- and definitely don't sleep with your phone in your bedroom. That's real interesting. Yeah. That's okay. definitely been a challenge even for me. I'm like... Yeah. But uh, my my alarm clock is on my phone, and yeah. I think it's just an go excuse. Go buy a regular right? alarm clock. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah. I just, text me to wake me up nope. in the morning. Nope, no. can't do yeah. it. So can't I have I actually have one more question. I know we're about to wrap up. So taking a step back from careers in tech or breaking into tech, what does um, like what does success mean to you? It sounds like you've thought about it a lot. <laughs> so it would be good for our listeners to kind of understand that whether you're applying for jobs, you're getting rejected, like there's something below like just what you're doing today. And like, what, what does that mean for you? I would say that that first is an evolving topic, depending mm-hmm. on where you are in your life. So success at a current moment might be a promotion. It might be maybe actually taking a step back from work and fulfilling some personal commitments that you have. So I think one, it's a, it's a fluid thing that you should, mm-hmm. you should always look at. Two, I think my ability to operate with a, a different definition of success has come from kind of interpersonal confidence and peace with who I am as a person. Because if if I'm happy and I'm content with what I'm doing and where I'm at, I have less need for outside validation. 
And I think the the glitz and the glamour that whatever industry you're in can be associated with that. So for me right now, success means first, it means health. And I think this is something that we all take for granted. This past weekend, we had some friends get some terribly tragic news. And amongst all the other stresses in my life, I'm incredibly happy that I'm healthy, my daughter's healthy, my husband's healthy, that like on top of everything else we do, we don't have to deal with medical issues. And I I had my siblings had some things growing up that I'm just incredibly grateful about that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's number one. Cause literally if you don't have your health, like 100%. everything else is yep. the pillar. And then I think the second piece is, you know, a balanced kind of family time life. So making sure that like when I go home from about whatever it is, five thirty to eight till till my daughter's bedtime, like no phone really. Although my husband would totally disagree with me on this one. <laughs> but like I, I'm trying to be present. Yeah. I'm trying to be with them. I'm hanging out. Bedtime's really important. We have family time. And also like being unapologetic about that at work. I realize that not everyone works in a supportive environment like mm-hmm. I do. But like as much as you can push on that and say, you know, I'll call you back at 830. I have no problem doing that. Mm-hmm. But right now is important to me. And then I think the third thing for me is making sure that I'm creating as much impact as possible. And my theme for this year is creation, create. The word create has come up a lot. So whether Mm -hmm. I'm creating a program, whether I'm creating this only project, we just bought a home, so I'm creating a home with my family. Mm -hmm. But it's choosing that kind of key North Star for me each year Mm -hmm. or every six months, whatever time frame works for you, and aiming towards that so that I know that everything I do is kind of driving towards that. Nico and I are working on some larger goals right now. And one of the other things that I believe in along with all the ways that I've mentioned kind of supporting other women is economic empowerment. And that's one of the reasons that investing is exciting to me because as we, you know, as we bring women, women have incredible spending power right now. Mm -hmm. They hold economic power. I started a money club within my women's group to just talk about money. Women don't talk about money. Women don't talk about investing. I don't really know what I'm doing, but we just got to talk about it. So that's, that's one of my other kind of larger success goals. And it's not about the amount. It's about how we're using it because when you get to a place where you as a woman have economic power, you then can help other people behind you. Yeah, no, I love it. We, lo- we love your story, your energy, the impact you're making, your gratitude. Um, and we look forward to seeing um, the things that you create in the future. So again, for the people that want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Twitter? Twitter is totally fine. LinkedIn, you're welcome to message me and look me up. Please tell me why you're getting in touch. I do not accept anyone that does not tell me why they're getting in touch with me because I want to know everyone in my network and be able to vouch for them. And then you're welcome to email me. It's erica at twilio.com. But thank you so much for having me on, letting me share my story. I feel incredibly grateful for the role that I've had and the opportunity I've had. And I would just say, keep persevering and don't be afraid of anything. And let's break in. Yeah, let's break in. Thanks, Erica. Thank Thank you. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.